All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Midlife Crisis, and uh, joined here with uh, with my buddy Steve. Uh, it looks like Jeff might not be making it today uh, for this episode, but we wish him uh, a, a fantastic time. I think he's traveling through Europe right now, so <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah, he's he's in a better place. <laughs> Definitely better than Hopefully. both of us. Yeah, sounds wonderful. Um, anyway, so Steve, what's going on with you? Um, we talked a little bit last time about your business model and about your plans for the SaaS and all that kind of stuff. Um, we also learned about, about Jeff's, but I am curious kind of, um, where are you with the building out of everything, the technology and where, and how, you know, I guess how long more do you have before launch? I'm just kind of curious, uh, what that all looks like and what have you been working yeah. on recently? Yeah. So the, uh, the official, uh, I guess I'll kind of answer that maybe a little bit backwards. Um, so the, the official launch, uh, I'm, I'm kind of planning January 16th of, of 24. I, I'm really all I'm waiting on is getting um, a Stripe account for the new company, but I'm waiting till the first of the year to start uh -huh. the new company. So we don't have to deal with the taxes this year. And so then once that's good, we should be, we should be launching. What I, I do need to get to is uh, we talked about this last time was, a good landing page kind of with getting some leads there for people who want to do demos. I don't have that. I have been working recently on getting the infrastructure figured out. So migrating and kind of playing around with the right cloud providers to get me the the stuff that I need. And then from there, I've spent the last, you know, probably good bit of last weekend getting some, some of the analytics pieces put together, like just figuring out, you know, I mean, turns out people care to, how many times their episodes were downloaded, that kind of stuff. So trying to work through all that. I've got most of it completed. Um, right now, I, I would say like the weak spot is probably the front end. It's not pretty. It, it is It is probably one of my, my weaker spots is, is that front end piece. But that's kind of going to be next once I, once I get this last what piece What are you building this in, by the way? Or what have you built it in? Um, so it, it's, it's kind of a lot. Um, I mean, mostly it adheres to a kind of like a MERN type stack, mm -hmm. but then there's a, a number of other pieces. So different, different backends component, a lot of it's written in Python. And then there's okay. also, you know, various other databases for different pieces and other so APIs. So MERN is Mongo, what is it? Express, what is it? React, and Node. Okay, great. So you have React and Node. Node, would that be the backend? Yeah, so Node is is kind of the the back end and partly the front end, right? Because it's Got it. it's using React. So I mean that there's some of that there. And then I, I have been thinking a lot about um, something like AppWrite. So there's I don't know. It's been intriguing some of the stuff that it offers. Right? I mean, it has kind of everything in one. Mm. And again, it's an open source project. It easily runs in container platforms. So I've I wanted to go there, but I think that's evaluate for for phase two. I, I want to make sure that I'm I'm focused on the right things and just getting the launch there because I don't think it matters if I'm using. Nobody cares what's behind the scenes. No. Right? Nobody's. Are you using is is Mern something like a you know I I'm not too familiar with that stack. Is it something where this app right would be a framework built around all those technologies that you could that has a bunch of kind of core features or are you, um, are you using any kind of framework at all? Um, so in theory, I mean, I guess the real frameworks probably are react, react and then yeah. 
um, I mean, Mongo, right? So there's Mongoose that's part of that. And then even Express, I mean, those, hmm. those kind of interfaces, if you will, to interact with the data. But uh, otherwise, I don't. So, when I, so when I think like a framework, I think of like Ruby on Rails. Ruby was the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ruby be the language. So that would be yeah. React over. Okay, so React over, over JavaScript, Node. I guess. Or, or yep, okay, yep. yeah. All right, got it. So so React has a lot of that. So it's interesting because like with me, you're right. I guess I'm using Laravel as a backend. I'm using Laravel for the backend of mine, and then I'm using Vue at the front end. So I guess Vue would be the front end framework. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So Vue is your Vue.js. Right. Okay, so your, yours is your React. Your React. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think sense. I probably need to move to to view as well, and then I need to probably use Next instead of mm. Express. And so there's just like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I keep learning all these things as I go. Like I, I started yeah. out with Bootstrap, then it's like, well, Bootstrap it, it's good, but Tailwind's where you should go. So it's yeah. all these potential distractions um, from yeah, getting my... the, the product launched, right? Totally. My developer and I were talking about redoing the. F- we're kind of limited because we kind of started off on this. Maybe it's similar to AppRite. It was like kind of like a preset view um, template framework. I don't know what you call it, but it was sort of like it had everything kind of like done. So let's just start from there. Now that's causing trouble and it's, you know, just kind of limiting us in some ways. So we were talking about like redoing the front end, uh, keeping it in view, but just doing everything in Tailwind and starting from scratch. And it's just like, I was about to say yes to this idea. And then I looked at, you know, all these customer requests and complaints and feature build and da da da, da And I'm just like, I have no idea when I, this is actually going to happen. Like, let's just stick to this right now. And, and it's, we just keep kicking it down the road. And so it is interesting. I mean, there is, you know, in some sense, I guess you could say there's an argument for if you're going to do it anyway, Maybe you do it before the customers come if it's if it's that important, or you just don't, don't bother and just let it be. But right. you know, it's a good question because once the customers come, it's, it's certainly, you know, back in the day before we were launched, we could change technologies, rip this out, put that in, and you know, besides a little testing, that was fine. But now, now we have to think about like, are we breaking some? You know, you think about are you going to break someone's podcast and what are the ramifications of that? Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. So it's, yeah, it's stuff that becomes the stakes become higher after launch so i mean definitely something to think about if you know if you really think it's important yeah and even i guess you you hear a lot about people freaking out when facebook changes something right yeah so like oh they changed this feature now or i have to go like i have to click seven times to do something i used to be able to do in two right so it's also making sure that you keep those things right and that's where yeah I, i i guess yeah i mean like for the stuff that you guys are facing, I don't know if you, you can share on the podcast, but like, what are some of like the, the challenges like you're encountering, like some of the lock-in or some of the, the issues you're having? The technology with? stuff? Um, yeah. One of the main things is that it's been hard to, to um, there's some features that require like um, more recent pack, you know, I guess more recent packages, but uh, sorry, recent uh, packages okay. require certain, you know, versions of this and that. So ver- mostly like versioning issues and, Gotcha. Uh, we're kind of limited. And so it, the solution is just to kind of rip that out <laughs> and replace it with our own kind of the same, we could even keep it the same design, but just kind of improve that. And um, yeah. unfortunately I just don't have the mental bandwidth right. to take on that project right now when we have all these other features. So we're just kind of building on this, 
you know, less ideal. It's still fine. It, it works quite well and it's a nice uh, front end, but, um, um, but yeah, there's certain things that are limiting that I wish this was supposed to kind of, I, I think the other thing too, is like, we kind of did this at the beginning because the promise was that it would speed up development. And it did, you know, it kind of got us out the door faster than having to do all this stuff from scratch. And so there's a, the other thing too, I've realized is like, there's this pro and con to like incorporating different packages into your, into your app. Um, one, the pro of course being it's all done for you. It's really nice. And then you just stick it in the other, the problem is you can't utilize you, you either have to break that package and stick it in. And now you don't, you're cut off from any further updates because it's too, you, you've, you've forked it too. you know, it's too manipulated now. Right. Right. Um, or you um, kind of stick it in as is and you allow package updates, but then you don't have much customization over that package. And so that's kind of the, the push and pull. But I have found overall that like, for instance, we are implementing a comment feature so that people can comment on their, their lessons and courses and stuff and interact with a teacher. And so the question was like, do we, do we pull in a package that's already built? Um, I think it was just a general JavaScript package. Um, or do we build that? And so me and my developer kind of going back and forth and it was like, he wanted to just build it. And at, at the end of the day, I knew that if there was so much going on, like if we do that, it's going to be, I just know that's going to be like six months of like, oh, wait, we forgot this. Oh, wait, what about that? You know, like right, right, so right. many little issues and we're going to get stuck on this one thing. And this is not a core feature. It's just like a side feature. So we just decided to take the package in and I have to say, I'm, it was like, oh, it's working within a few weeks and everything's acting normally and all the bugs oh, are kind awesome. of fixed. So, I mean, that's stuff that I'm, I'm, and no one would know. I mean, it doesn't look like it's an external alien package. It just sits right into our thing. We can customize it with CSS and stuff. So there's stuff that I think I'm realizing like, yeah, there's, there's a time to build things from scratch and there's other things that, you know, it's faster just to bring them in that are ex- sure. open source, you know, but um, and then, yeah, it's interesting. Do you, um like, do you contribute back? So, you know, when you're talking about, I yeah. guess, kind of if you fork something like the differentiation, like, do you submit those back upstream or are you talking more like if a package kind of goes dead, right? So like somebody yeah. just stops maintaining it, like then that's. No, I have not. We have not gotten to the point yet where we've had the luxury to to kind of like to contribute back to any projects. Um there is one that we're using though that we paid for like a license to use and it's been an incredible package. And uh, so I guess I'm thinking like we're kind of contributing in a way just with money. But yeah. I, I, you know, we haven't gotten to the point where it was like, actually I actually haven't found anything wrong with it really um, that, that needed that. But um, there are some that I wanted to contribute back and then we did realize they were mostly abandoned. So we just kind of didn't bother. Yeah. We yeah. could like fork, we could kind of create our own, we could fork it, create our own version and update it on our own and maybe call it something else, but that's, it's like adding another project to my life that I, yeah, I'm already yeah, now overly <laughs> spread out, you know? Yeah. So I'm you have to manage a team of open source developers exactly. now. Like, And I think that's yeah. one argument for like, when we get to a certain threshold of growth or, or size, that may be what we need to start looking into is how do we, we've taken, we've, we've been able to, we've been able to grow thanks to the, benevolence of all these coders that have built these sat packages and made them open source. How can we now add to the community? Kind of what we were talking about last right, time. Right. Um, yeah. There's a lot there. Like even thinking through like, you know, is it something that is very specific to your business? 
right? So then are you giving something away that's your business logic versus is it something generic, right? So like a, a, a con- contribution to view or something where you kind of updated some piece there versus, you know, some very specific utility that you use and it's probably only for you, but then potentially like a competitor could then come along and see that. And so, you know, yeah, there's, there's that balance that you got to yeah, figure point. out. Yeah. And I'm, I feel like we're in the kind of the, we're just in the, like, let's stay alive and let's, you know, keep right. this thing going. Um, I mean, for, for me, what I've realized uh, is this balancing act of half of, I mean, it's probably about 60, 70% of my attention right now these days has to be on the technology and improving the technology. Cause what, cause what I've realized is that especially because we're kind of getting into a larger, I think I mentioned this at one time previously, but because we're kind of going after a larger, it's not really a niche. It's like a we're, we're going after a product, competing with a product that has some big players in it. Getting up to par with features is very important for customers. If they're going to choose you over the big yep. player, they need, to, they need to know that you have the features or you're building them at least. And so that's been my focus is to kind of get up to par with that so that people don't leave um, and churn out. And so, um, what I have noticed, which is sort of the good news is that when we've added big, important features, the churn rate does decline, which is great. People have less of a reason to leave. The problem is of course, because I've been so focused on the technology and building this out and all this stuff and testing and everything, um, I've neglected to look at the, um, the traffic, you know, the incoming traffic. And so that has declined since last year. Actually, we were the beginning of this year, we were like killing it with traffic. We were like, things were going up. It was great. And then uh, it started to take a downturn around March really deeply. I was able to kind of reinvest, you know, invigorate it and put en- extra energy and we brought it back up with some SEO work. And then it was going up and I was excited again. And then about two months ago, it started to decline. And this one I can't explain. Like we're doing, we're still doing the SEO work. We're still putting out articles. Doesn't seem to work. So my guess, having talked to a few SEOs, is like some of this uh, AI Bard stuff is now throwing off the algorithm with Google. Oh, and so yeah, a lot of their their algos, and now we're suffering for that. So it's like I really uh, this past week. Every time I look at the numbers now for our analytics, it's like down, down. <laughs> every week oh, it's worse. Man. And so that's, that's another project that it's like, I, you know, I now have to take a pause on the development side, on the technology side, and now work on, like this week I was working on finding some people that will help find legitimate, do basically do like legitimate backlink building, reach out to bloggers, reach out to articles, listicles, right. and really make, you know, high quality, you know, backlinks is, is the goal um, and, and see how I can, you know, what I can do in that, that area but that's not going to be it's going to be a long kind of like a long road yeah that that takes you're doing something for a year from now to to pay off exactly and the hope is it kind of turns it up and the airplane starts to right up into the right and never goes down (laughs) yeah right right. um do you notice like is there anything seasonal about it too like i mean during you know like are are there drop-offs in in certain yeah certain times or i have noticed that and I'm not sure I understand it yet. I guess the, it'll be interesting this next year because then I can actually look at two years overlapping and see maybe a better, like 
we did launch technically last year, 2022, but it was so small that it's hard to kind of look at that as reliable data. But yeah, I think this yeah. year, starting Jan 1 through, so 2023, and then if I start to look at next year, I think I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'll be able to see some of that seasonality. Uh, I do, I would expect like a bit of a jump in January because people are like, I want to start a business, kind of like you, you know? yep, yep. start a business, or maybe they thought about it and then they're now ready to launch because of tax reasons, or maybe they're inspired. And, and a lot of times people are thinking about course businesses. Uh, yeah, New Year's new. resolutions. Yeah, exactly. So this, so that probably is, there's something there. And then I've noticed too, just even my other software business that, um, this month was very good for the, for our other software business, uh, kind of like November. Don't know why, but it may be because of the Black Friday stuff. I don't know. It's a lot of, or maybe people are kind of closing out the year and they want to finish some projects. I don't know. Did you have any Black Friday deals or like, do you run, like, do you run discounts or any of that stuff? Not for, for around this yeah, time? not for a really course one. And I, maybe that's something I'll do next year for the other business, our software we did. And it, it, Typically in the old days, it was it worked pretty well, but this year it didn't really make a big difference. A uh, little bit of a dent, but not not dramatically. Um, but uh, still, it was a good year. I sorry, sorry, it was a good month still for that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm trying to. I feel like all I'm trying to do at this point is like not lose my. You know, we kind of talked at the beginning about like motivation, and I'm just. I'm trying to be careful not to get burnt out because I'm really for sure feel like I'm tipping towards the edge, especially now that I'm hiring new people for this, you know, SEO backlink thing. And my goal has to be, and I'm trying to get another, um, I'm trying to get someone to do support basically for the, for the apps. Cause I'm basically doing support right now. And okay. the problem I think with that is when I'm doing it, number one, I'm not consistent. I'm like, I'll just have days where I'm just like, I can't look at it. Um, and then I just feel like there's got to be someone in that can like raise the important things to me and, and handle the small things so that I'm actually motivated to fix the problems that need to get done and not just like, you know, cause support can be such a heavy, yeah you know, feeling of like, Oh, I got to do support. Um, so I've got, so I think if I can get those two things in place, someone kind of working on the SEO and someone working on support and create a bit of distance for me, I can start to pull out, pull away from this feeling of like, ah, I'm overwhelmed, you know? Right, right, right. Spend more time on the business versus in right. the business. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of the problems that we're, I, I really feel like this is, I'm, I'm just kind of in the trenches a little bit right now. Um, and it's not like, <laughs> it feels like World War One where we're not really winning. Like we're not making huge, right, right, right. you know, a few feet here and there. Um, and I'm hoping that that, you know, it's still, we're still, you know, in a positive trajectory with growth, but it's not as fast as I was, you know, imagined it would be. Um, sure. so we just have to kind of like see what happens, you know, and, and keep on going, I guess that's how you, I suppose that's how you win a war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, do you ever like step back? Cause I would assume like the beginning of last year versus the beginning of this year, probably a big difference versus, yeah. you know, last month to this month. Absolutely. Like, so, I mean just to like regain perspective when you're. Yeah. Yeah. If I look at the numbers that way, it's pretty inspiring. But if I look at it month to month, it's like, this is, you know, heavy. Um, it's the grind. Yeah. So I I guess that's what I, I mean, I don't know if there's any way I'm trying to think of like with you, you're going to launch and stuff that, you know, there's not really any way I would have done it differently perhaps. I mean, I think that that's just part of the deal. 
um, you know, it, and also I'm trying, I'm trying to be careful not I, there. I could technically spend more out of my own personal money to put into more stuff and make it grow faster, but there's a hesitancy to, to do that. Cause I'm already costing, a, you know, like our personal income, some money. So I'm, I'm hesitant to do that. My goal, my hope is to, you know, to, to grow the business so that it's more self-sustained to the point that it's sure. breaking. And right now it's not breaking. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what I, I'm trying to think like, is there anything I would have done differently before launching the customers that could have made all this easier, but I, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, I guess just getting out, I guess just launching is, you know, you, everyone's going to get a different result. Have you yeah. thought about, um, you know, the ways you're thinking about marketing and, and the different channels you're looking at right now? Have you, have you kind of contemplated? I, I really haven't. Like, so I, I know about 15 people that have kind of signed up already. Wow. And okay, so cool. I, I'm, I, I guess my goal is not to screw it up for them. Right. So like that, that's kind of the, the main thing is let them sort of start using it and telling me, you know, where, where it's going to ride. I mean, obviously we're hosting this, this podcast on yeah. it and there's, a couple of others that are, are hosted on it now. So it's, but it's like me doing all of that work, right? Like some people have access, but mostly it's just me like doing it. Right. And so that that's easy when I'm, when I'm doing it because nobody else has to, right? And so they don't, sure. they don't get to see the bugs or know the, the quirks or the, or the nuances kind of like we were talking about earlier. Like I wanted to, you know, I want to be able to give it to people to let them play around with it and kind of guide where it goes. But yeah, you you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, how have you found those fifteen for the most part? Like, where the where have they mostly? Come um, from? just kind of like friends, referrals of, of friends, okay. right? I mean, just people who've already. Uh, again, it's just like people who are like, yeah, I, I want to do that, or I, I've had podcasts, and it's just it's too hard to to do all of this, right? right? So I, when when I start kind of asking some of those questions, you know, they they would usually pay money to have a, a VA or or something else, and it's like, you know, they just they don't have the time to go through all that. And so if we can, totally. if we can make that simple, then, then it kind of seems like a win. So I, I feel good about that. And then, yeah, after, and I guess maybe my, part of my, my situation too, is I want it to be perfect, right? Before, before it goes everywhere, before I, I run any ads or do any promotions. Sure. And so that, that, that's another, I, I guess I'll say like, that's, probably just like a fallacy, right? Like it's never going to be perfect. It's, it's, yeah. it's always perfect today, right? Just figured out. So that just like that balance part. But I, I think initially like getting some of those people. And then I was thinking, um, you know, even if I could find some other people who were maybe bigger names in the space and, and not necessarily yeah. like big names, like micro influencers, if you will, and just offer sure. like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to partner on something like this? That might, that might be yeah. the next step or getting people who review stuff. Um, to maybe review this platform and, you know, say what they don't like, what they like about it and right. just kind of see if that, if that aligns with the vision or, you know, cause if we're making it hard, we're doing something wrong. And so, you know, just understanding what other people are thinking. So I, I think that's kind of my, my initial plan. Yes. Yeah. But it's truthfully, like I haven't thought too, too much on it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the initial people that I'm going to be hosting versus, you know, yeah. getting more people. So that's the, that's kind I hear of, you. That makes sense. Um, it, you know, you said that at one time it's sort of you're still doing a lot. Well, you just said just now you're doing a lot of the kind of the manual work to kind of on. It sounds like to onboard people. Um, how much once they're onboarded, are 
are you able to kind of be hands off a little bit more as long as they? Oh, for for sure, yeah. Okay. And and again, like I can give you a demo. Like there, there really isn't any onboarding as much. It's okay. just it's just showing them like how it works, right? Like I I walk people through the process. Okay, like here's you know here's your account. Here's where you go. Here's what you do. And then okay. um, I don't know. I think I, I've made things a little bit too complex. Like there, I think I have too many options for stuff. And so mm-hmm. I just need to understand like what options matter, what options don't and uh, you know just kind of again knowing like where like one kind of who the audience is and then where where we want to take the product like what the what the goal is and so okay so with the options like what are some options that you've added that you question i'm just curious like what what would be an option you've added that you've questioned like is that even necessary um well i i think just in terms of some of the depth right so for like audio editing or, or stuff like that right if you're how you know, if you're going to blend an intro into, into an audio file, mm. what, how, how many seconds does it need to be? Like what, what duration, mm. right? Like how, how many section like seconds should the intro run into the main audio and, and just kind of like that, like little stuff, right? Like just when you're thinking about it, like when, when the person starts talking, do you want the audio to be playing over that or fading, fading uh, out as that happens? Right. And like, what, what are the durations? Right. And then even kind of on the outro side, like some of that, some people, have really big intros and they kind of want it to run and then they don't want it to blend because they'll just start talking right away. Right. And then other people are like, well, I'd like it if it took like a couple seconds before they're like, so it's just like, I don't know. Well, that how, how do you... sounds to me like a, re- a reasonable, if you could build it without it being com- so complex that it causes instability. Yeah. yeah. Right. As long as it's not unstable and you can kind of like, you know, if you're running into stability issues and it's like, the more yeah i mean it's just a slider that sets a value that's yeah. passed to an api like nothing that sounds pretty easy nothing so, wild i i would but, say that's the main metric for me is is this setting or feature going to cause new bugs that are difficult to to handle while i've got a thousand other things going on then yeah maybe that's something or is it just so complex that people get confused and overwhelmed well you can always well, hide and that that's what i think panel or something you know yeah, and maybe that's more of what I'm worried about. Not so much the complexity, but just it it looks right. Like you get decision fatigue, right? You just mm-hmm. see like all of these options, like, oh, I can click this to do that yeah. and all that uh, other stuff, right? So so trying to simplify it, but also like it should be powerful, right? It it should have sure. So just understanding like that balance, right? So some of it, yeah, have an advanced settings kind of thing, let people go in there, change it versus yeah, putting it all on the main keeping uh, it as a page. default. Just, yeah, the default that works for most people then they can go in and yeah, yeah, yeah. If they want to tune their their tune but that does sound like an important. So, I mean, that that sounds like an important feature in the sense that there are going to be things that people are nitpicky about, and you know that is one that they might be. I remember um, what, what was it? Anchor, the Anchor app, which I think was bought oh, by yeah. Spotify, used to have yep. that feature where you could upload an audio and then it would just you could choose from like you know hundred different or fifty different like little intros, audio samples. And they would just kind of automatically figure it out and stick it in. Um, yeah, which was kind of nice. I'm trying to remember why I didn't keep it. But anyway, <laughs> I did. I decided not to use, I think, Anchor. But it was cool in the sense that it merged it in. It did. It figured it all out. And I was like, yeah, good enough. Like, I, I don't need this to be. I, I think it did figure out where to put it based on, like, your speaking and stuff like that. It kind of found Oh, that's place. cool. 
So maybe, you know, but that, but down the road, I mean, you can always add that stuff, but I think that is something people appreciated about, I mean, I, I just used it to kind of uh, get the first one going. So I could see people being nitpicky about that. Um, but yeah, there's other things that people are not nitpicky about that sometimes you just think, oh, I got to build this. And then it's causing a lot of time and testing right. and stuff. So um, yeah, so that's cool. So basically now like with, with the 15 people, are they now, or will they soon be able to log into sign and see the, the app or around, will that happen around January in January? Yeah. So they, so right now they, they effectively could log in and okay. come on in and do it. Um, I'm just waiting. The, the, the real part is I just need the, to set the Stripe integration up. Got it. Um, and so like once, once I have the new company, then I can, I can create the accounts, whatever, and then okay. get all of that because I don't want to use other businesses to make it more messy. And so I, I'm trying to do everything kind of right and keep it as clean as possible, separate everything out from my personal or other companies and just have it be. Okay. Does this, is this like, do you register as a company, like an LLC for this or is it just under? It, your... it will be. Yeah. It will be. It, okay, it'll be, it. a, it'll be a company. Cool. I'm not doing it under. Yeah. The, the thing is like, we have a number of companies already. Yeah. And so I, I, our you account mess, you want to mix is, them all up <laughs> yeah I, I i don't want to make her more mad at me um so <laughs> like i'm just waiting till the first of the year and then Got it. she okay. can be mad at me after the first quarter or something okay so it's but it is it sounds like it's pretty mature then if people can log in even if they can't yeah track integration they can do everything else at this point yeah um, yes i mean they can log in i think the other big thing is just the the training on it right so putting together the the videos Right. So people can see it. It's just right now I, I do, I'm kind of changing a number of things. So those videos are stale, who knows, a couple of days. So it's now right. when I have to think about, should I make this change? I'm like, well, what are the downstream effects of that? Well, I got to change right. these videos and, and other things, update this documentation. And so that's really the, I think that's really the, the challenge now is making sure whatever, whatever I change, the documents get updated. Cause that's one of my pet peeves when I, go to learn something or I watch yeah. a video and then all of a sudden the features are different and that yeah. doesn't exist anymore or whatever. Exactly. Like, I mean, no, it makes sense. Like, how do you track your features or kind of your, your bugs with, with users? How, how do you like, what mm. is the process that you, you handle, handle that with bugs? Um, well, not very efficiently right now. We don't have like a bug reporting system Okay, okay. to put that in. That's another thing I should, I, I meant to, you know, just kind of create a form that does that. There is, we do have something called like a wish list site though, which we're, which I've appreciated, which is more for the feature side. And um, so mostly it doesn't get used for bugs, but it basically is, it's built on this open source project called FIDER, F-I-D-E-R. And it, you can kind of self-host it. Um, oh, interesting. Which is kind of cool. And so, you know, we basically were able to kind of, um, get it going in a day or something on, on kind of like a, a digital ocean uh, droplet. And uh, anyway, so we got that going. And so that's the neat thing is you can basically like um, anyone can submit a feature idea and then anyone, anyone can vote and everyone, and either way they have to put in their email address. And so therefore if they go through the list and they like a feature, they can enter their email, vote for it. And then when that feature is released, you can kind of mark it complete. And then oh, they'll cool. all get an email about it that says, Hey, it's finally ready. So that's kind of been helpful. And that, that helps, that's been helpful for the development for the roadmap side, because it's helped me kind of vet like, okay, really, what should we be building right now? And I look at that and I say, okay, there's 10 votes here and there's no votes for the other one. So right. 
that's been helpful. Now, in terms of the actual bug things, uh, the bug, it's just been kind of manual. Me and my support person just kind of respond to a, an email and then we'll basically just plug it into our um, our repo, like our GitLab, make it an issue and then just assign it. Okay, so, so you you use automated. like issue tracking and, and Git. Issue tracking, yeah. And GitLab, okay. We're actually just using the issue tracking for both bugs and features for the developers. Now this is something that you probably don't need right now because you're developing it all yourself. But I do, for a while we had them separated out into like Asana for managing all these issues. And then the actual repo was separate. And I just got to the point one day, I was like, this is so dumb to have this separated. So I have to say the Git, GitHub and GitLab issues are pretty powerful. The, the, the issue features are quite powerful in mm -hmm. terms of, of all that. So yeah, we're, ha we're happy with that right now. Um, but we do need to get some sort of system where you could, you know, a form or something where people can say, this is not working and then have that submitted and created maybe an automatic like issue. That'd be great. Um, right, so, right. So hopefully we'll get there. Th these are just these little things that like <laughs> everything takes, like it took me a good six months to finally get um, kind of like an onboarding email drip series going out, you know, like when okay. someone signs up, do you, you know, here's five emails about how to actually work the, the app. Kind of what you're Yeah, you have right? the flow. Stuff like that. The... It seems like, oh, well, yeah, that'll take a day. But it, these things take, you know, when you're doing everything, these things slowly, the, the, the time span spreads out and suddenly everything's taking months, um, especially when you're doing it as one person. I think if you were funded, you know, we'd have, you know, a marketing. Do, right, your marketing things. department do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing about the bootstrap side is like, um, so that's, you know, that I talked to a, a guy who recently who bootstrapped and he's finally doing well. And I said, well, what, you know, would you do that again? And he's like, no, I would take funding <laughs> and <laughs> just because it's so hard. And I, I can relate to that. So um, what, what made you think about, you know, bootstrapping this versus some other, you know, taking a funding or, or have you decided that? Um, so I, I think part of it too is, you know, I'm kind of the means versus the, the ends type of thing yeah and this is you know this is something that like i i want to be doing like i'll be uh, i'm not i mean obviously I, I wanted to make money all that other stuff but like i i find it fun right so like okay. i i want to get involved it has been a, a challenge now to you know i've been trying to maybe find a, a front-end developer or something but okay. with some of the ways like my stuff is written and it's just been more difficult to get somebody because I'm changing some of the backend pieces and mm -hmm. some of the API stuff. Okay. And so then I almost now it, it's, it makes it a little bit harder because of the way my backend is while it is mm -hmm. very, very portable that also okay. requires somebody understand containerization and you know, how, how something like Kubernetes works or, right. or another orchestration platform. So it, it does make it a little bit more complicated um, but ultimately, like I just have to put more automation in place to build up the environments and then okay. enable them to to do the work. Um, do you keep your front end and back end in separate repos, or are they under one repo? I uh, yeah. So I the front end and back end are still in the same repo. Okay. I have I've got to the point where so I've broken them out in different containers, and I, actually right. this is a kind of an interesting thing. Like at what at what point do you break the front end from the back end? Right. So. Like I have, so like I, I will split them out. I just haven't. 
but I mean, from as far as like a running perspective, like they each run in their yeah. their own separate container. Sure. But what I'm kind of thinking, like from the repository, right? So if you have, I don't know, sort of that middle, like even middleware stuff, should middleware go in the back end or should that be in the front end? Yeah. And then something like the communication between my front end to my back end. So yeah. if you're using something like RTK query, where, where does that where does that fall? Is that front end or is that back right. end? And right. I don't know. So I was going to make it front end, but I was going to say if you don't have them separated, don't separate them, please. <laughs> Just don't do it. That okay. was a big nightmare for us. Was that we started with separate? You know, again, we kind of take on these like best practices that large, massive corporations have that we think, well, that must be the right way to do it. Well, maybe it works if you have a hundred people doing this and there's people that have the energy to kind of sort all sort through all these things. But like, if you're small, what is the benefit of having, having a backend and a front end separate in separate repos? Well, I don't, I eventually I couldn't see the benefit. All I could see was the nightmare. And what would happen is someone would do a, a commit to the backend that also had a component that needed to be committed to the front end, but they would not do the front end or they would do it and call it something else. So we've got one branch oh. called something this and one branch called something that. And I was like, I didn't even know those were branches were related to the same feature. Why is this not working? And then it would be me tearing my hair out, trying to test this. And it was just like, I was at the end of it. And I've, you know, we eventually forced it all onto one repo and, you know, that solved, you know, that, that reduced tons of, of, it, of wasted time that I was spending because of that, of the, you know, the human issue. Um, the human element of that. And so all, you know, maybe we had, we had to kind of sort of update our deployment aspect and kind of make it, make it work so that it was secure and, and effective that way. But effectively, um, you know, it's, there's things like that where it just like, you know, try to keep it as, as simple as possible. Yeah. That's but, a, I didn't really think about that. Part of my thought was if I were to kind of give out the front end code, like that maybe yeah. wouldn't give away give away all the secrets, right? So if I'm if I'm hiring somebody off of Fiverr, right? I don't know if yeah. you, you know you can trust them or whatever, right? So it's more of that, like I don't want them taking the back end code and mm. you know starting their own product, maybe. Right. So like, that, that so was a concern of mine. Like, I actually hired this this uh developer who was really bright, really good at the early on. And so um I I said, oh, he's great. He's working. He had really good ideas. I was excited. And then um, I noticed, and <laughs> that's an embarrassing story. I noticed his profile. He was a co-founder of another SaaS. And I was like, oh, okay, let me go talk to him. So then I, you know, I'm asking about his SaaS. It's not related at all to mine, but I was like, well, as a co-founder, I don't know. He could, he, once he sees how successful we are, I'll steal this. Right. And honestly, I just, I'm just laughing just because the guy has, he's been with me doing, stuff i kind of just let it go but anyway the guy has like he's not even working on assassin more he just didn't he just kind of gave it up it's kind of like in maintenance mode he's he's not likely to ever steal steal this product and it's, it's like once you realize how demanding the actual customer side is and the marketing like the technology side is the easy part of I mean, it in some ways it's not but it is i mean it's just it requires such big component commitment for both that um once he saw how he had built some beautiful SaaS and then he couldn't market it. And he was just like, I'm done. And so I, I don't know, I guess I would say um, my main thing would be to just have him sign a contract that says, 
you're not allowed to steal this. It probably won't be very much enforceable because they're probably somewhere else in the, in the world. Right, right. And just, but it's sort of like just a handshake, kind of like, don't do this. And um, I've never had a, I've, I've been hiring developers uh, overseas for at least eight or nine years. I never had a single person even think about stealing any of this stuff. Um, and okay. especially yeah, with that's... the plugin stuff, we actually have things that they, they could easily do. I mean, we sell these little plugins. I mean, they could technically just grab it and start selling it, but um, yeah, they're good people. You know, unless you find, unless you have a bad intuition about somebody. Um, yeah. I think that's one of my weaknesses right now too, is hiring. I mean, I've hired multiple people for, for different roles, but they're usually more physical or they're there for other companies that I, yeah. I've worked at as opposed to more things that are on, on my kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's, I know that I noticed actually the other day, like I heard, um, I think it's called front end mentor. Mm. They just started like a, a hiring process so they okay. can like so you can hire resources through them so i was actually going to try that out and nice. just kind of see what yeah yeah what the results were there but so i think yeah that's maybe i don't know just so going I can back see what to you're it, saying with like my... the repo thing that would be the only benefit of to me then of having a separate repo is that you could keep it away keep them away from the back end um but i mean i'm kind of at the point where it's like um this you know this uh package you know i think you were talking about wanting to make it open source too so if you did that that'd be you know that would be kind of moot anyway because you're it's available to everybody right 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 but um, well, and if i can't trust them i i, yeah. I shouldn't hire them for the front end right so i mean that's, right yeah and you could just almost do, irrational you could just do something where you give them a small project and you kind of separate out some code some files and have them work on it and yeah test it to see if it was good without having to give them the whole thing um but uh in a way it's sort of like if I, let's say one of them wanted to even use the package, like right now, I guess they could take one of the stable package. You know, we have some stable tags in our repo. They could take a stable tag, spin it up, <laughs> make a product. But uh, they know as well as I know that there's a lot of features that still need to be built for this to be good. So they're either going to have to just like go in there and do the features that we're already working on anyway, or it just seems to me exhausting it's already exhausting yeah. for me. Like I'm just, I would be shocked if they wanted to do this. Uh, they don't. And I also think that a lot of times when you hire folks, most of them, even the entrepreneurial ones are not as entrepreneurial as you might think. They're kind of like dabbling a little bit. They kind of want to do, they kind of take the approach of like, I'd like to do something because it's fun. But if you give them something fun to work on and pay them for it, I've noticed that they that's what they wanted from their entrepreneurial project anyway, was a fun project. So if if they like the technology, they like the stack, and they enjoy the challenges, they may not even, and they're making good money, they may not even want uh, to take the risk of starting a brand new one. Right, right, right. And if they did, they probably wouldn't grab yours. They would just start their own, you know? Yeah, so, do you... Do you share any equity or any of that with your with your staff or like with your developer? No, not at all. Have you, have you thought about that process? Well, I've thought about it, but I guess um, what I've kind of come to the conclusion of is right now I'm just paying them, you know, a decent hourly. And I think that is, I never promised anything more than that. One thing that I would like to do is if we, you know, when we get to the point where we're making decent profit, I would like to do some sort of profit sharing. So as long as you're with the company, 
we're going to do our best to sub to, to spread out these profits to the people that I think have done right. the most like the, you know, there's a developer that I would love to share, you know, a lot, you know, more profit with down the road. Um, he did a lot for us. So, I mean, I, I would, I would be open to that for sure. Um, but we don't have the, you know, we don't have the profit. Now, so can't do that. Right. Um, so if I give him equity, the problem for me, the risk would be, well, yeah, it could be that he sticks around more. Um, but the other, the danger is, you know, I guess that's why I like the profit sharing idea more is like, if you leave or if you just stop being a great performer, maybe you, maybe the profit share that you get kind of diminishes, you know, it depends on what, how much you put in. Yeah. Um, that's that, that's just kind at. of a big thing. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to try to make sure, cause again, like I, I want people to be rewarded for what, what yeah. they do. And I think that that is sticking. So you're right. I mean, you know, until maybe you're generating, you know, a good seven figures and you can get a nice accountant and lawyer to work right. together to build out these, these plans, like, yeah, profit sharing is probably the, sure, sure. The, the easiest one to, to start with. Yeah. The thing with the, the thing with the equity is like, once you give them equity, you can't go back. That's sort of like a point of no yeah. return. And so you can always, if they quit on you and they're not, in, you know, they're uninspired, you can always find a good, another good developer that is motivated. And usually kind of what I've thought of, I've, we have a pretty kind of like nuanced stack because we're using some like weird packages that kind of like building it is not easy. And so that kind of is the big hurdle for a lot of developers who start on the project is they kind of have to get, you know, they take a week or two to figure out how to build it locally even. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really worried that, that no one else besides the main developer could ever do that. And that's, <laughs> that has been shattered. Like they can, they just figure it out. Uh, and so, and then also, you know, this other guy that I hired, he, you know, it took him maybe a month and he was like fully understood the code. So like the idea that like, even you, you like you understand your code. No one else could figure it out as easily. I mean, that's probably also a myth, you know. So, oh, for sure. I mean, and that's my goal is. I mean, even from the SaaS playbook, right? Like, I need to get out of development, right? And yeah, I, I need somebody who knows. I just need to find like the right people who who know way more than me and can do it better than me. And, and right. that's, and I think that's the, the the big thing. And just knowing, and again, that's like part of the. I don't know, just like part of one one of the pieces of all this is figuring out when when do I need to hire somebody? When should I be doing it? it just yeah. just all that, like when is the right time to yeah. hire somebody versus, you know, should I, am I just being lazy? Should I just stay up a few more hours and get this done versus, you know, hiring somebody to do it? So just and maybe it's, always that Maybe it's sort of like where I'm at where with the support where it's like I'm now at the point where I'm so overwhelmed by the number of projects just for this one company that I am resisting opening up the tickets. <laughs> I know that's a good sign. It's probably the sign, right? It's like, I know yeah, it's yeah, time yeah. for me to hire because I don't want to, I'm not excited to open these tickets and I'm kind of scared to see, you know, it's like every ticket could cause another hour of work for me. So it's like, I don't, I don't, I'm resisting that. This is probably a, a, a sign. So I guess with you, maybe the same thing. It's like, you get your support going, you have customers using it, you're implementing the features. My kid's coming in. Uh, you're implementing the features, you're developing it. And then there's gotta be a time where you're just like, I don't wanna look at this right now. Uh, maybe that's For the sure. time. either the code or the support or both or, you know, maybe that's- Yeah, time. when you start to get sick of it, yeah, before, <laughs> yeah, yeah pro probably that's the, that's the point in time. Just like, um, 
so do you have i guess kind of going back you know when you're talking about like building it and stuff like is i mean i'm just curious like are your workloads containerized like do you have any anything around around containers no, we don't we have nothing on that level and i'm still it's kind of a still of a uh, of a um enigma to me the container world because i've only interacted with containers in the sense of um when i want to you know install a package or that i want to use you know internally or something like that or usually you know like i have kind of our own we have like a a, a vps where we um yeah we have a bunch of internal to tools that are all open source they're all i think they're all docker containers um, so that's kind of my extent to it. And and we're just deploying right now to, you know, the old fashioned way to a server. Um, oh, but okay. what, what would you say is the, you know, if you were to convince someone to kind of think about containers, what would be the benefits? And then when would that be, when would those benefits be most helpful? I mean, is it to any stage of, of a company or? I, I guess it, it, it depends, right? I mean, like if you're doing something custom with hardware, I would say they're, you can containerize. I mean, it's just a little more, bit more advanced, right? You have to expose those devices into the container. Um, but for the most part, like, at least for me, like in my workflow, it's so much easier. I, I mean, like, just take, for example, like on, say on my Linux desktop, I, I don't want to have to NPMI a bunch of stuff or have like separate environments for Python and Ruby, like all those different like virtual environments. Mm -hmm. So it's just much easier to have a container that has all of that. And so then my front end container, my back end container, they have all the right packages. And then anytime I want to add one, I mean, I have the kind of automation right there that just adds them. So it's a bit easier once you, like once you get the framework, but I think there is sort of that, that learning curve at first to just like see it. So I mean, I'd actually be happy, like if you have a component, like yeah. you, you're interested in like containers, like I'd be happy to like walk you That's through cool. sort of that process or even like walk you through kind of my code process so you can mm -hmm. see like how it all, how all the containers like link together and so it, hmm. it's just so much easier in my opinion because then you can change one thing and you know you're not going to break your back end when you update yeah. your front end and add these packages nice. so there's a lot more isolation so i think that's, that's i that's can see it now so, okay so that's one thing that would help us like what i was mentioning like having our developers build it locally we often will run into issues where one's using a windows machine one's using a mac and things don't work. Yeah, that, that's obsoleted with, I mean, yeah. you, you don't run into that. I mean, maybe Windows to Mac, like they're, you'll have to do a little bit of, of mm -hmm. legwork to make sure however you're, however you're accessing data or whatever. But for the most part, like right. that, that is a big thing is nice. you can build a container and you can run that container anywhere, whether it's Windows, Mac, Linux, okay. even FreeBSD, like you can kind of run that's it on great. any platform and then have and then your you could app plug running that into, and working. Like, um, is something like Heroku, is that all, is that like when you, um, up there, so kind of, I don't know how it works in the back end. Okay. I mean, I'm sure they, they isolate your environment, but I don't know if it's, it, it, it probably is containerized, but I mean, it, it's a similar concept, right? I mean, there's just this isolated environment where your app is running in. So you'd have multiple deployments. It's like each deployment for Heroku would almost be like a container if you will. Oh, okay. And I don't know a lot about Heroku though. So I've, yeah, I've done a couple of things where I've deployed apps, but I've been working really hard on, you know, I hear so much horror stories about vendor lock-in and kind of these platform lock-ins. Yeah. And I want to do everything that I can, at least in my power to not be there because I think, you know, 
right. on a previous episode, I've, I've got vendor lock-in and I've gotten burned from it. So I, sure. I want to be able to move my stuff anywhere and, and have it just work. Okay. So for your, uh, so your hosty, you, you kind of mentioned you're looking at, um, a different couple, a couple of different cloud systems, but the idea would with a with a uh, container would be you can move from one cloud system to another. The headache is gone. You're just kind yep. of like uploading and boom, it's or deploying in this. Yeah, I, I can deploy on any okay. any environment and and it just works. Awesome. Okay. Right? I mean that that's kind of the beauty of it is anywhere I want to take it. Obviously, the the data is really what matters here. So whatever's in my database, I have exactly. to make sure I replicate that, but. Otherwise, as long as I have my data and I back it up or have okay. replicas somewhere, then I can have, mm. you know, we see a lot of this multi-cloud stuff, especially in, you know, kind of yeah. in my full-time position. There's a lot of people doing stuff in multiple clouds just for for the reason of, you know, if one cloud goes down or some, like if AWS has an issue, you know, Azure doesn't or Google doesn't, you know, there's, right. you just have multiple points. Nice. Okay. That's cool. All right. I, I will probably talk to you at some point about that because that, that, I could see that, especially as we start to grow and bring in more developers, it would be nice to have it all containerized. And then there's no, on, you know, it's like the onboarding process of a developer coming and trying to figure out the nuances of our app, how to build it correctly. I mean, such a pain. Yeah, they, it could it could just be a simple Git clone, and then they could yep. do a, you know, and Docker compose up, and the app's running. That's awesome. Like, yeah, that sounds wonderful, actually. And then we could just and then deploying that to the to the servers or whatever is easy too. Yep. That's cool. Okay. I love that. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for opening my eyes to that. Uh, cool. Any, uh, I guess this is a good time to probably wrap up, but is there anything uh, last minute you're thinking about or what, what do you think you'll be working on the next uh, week or so? Uh, so finishing up the, the statistics and kind of the, the analytics piece, I think that's uh, been learning about, like I always knew about GOIP, but I actually didn't really know like, like how it, how it mm. came about. And so oh, I, okay. I guess I kind of got that worked out because people care about where. What does that where mean? I've is. heard that term GOIP. So it's it's different than just when you know a server collects an IP address in general. There's more to it than that. Yeah. So there's a database. So there's some company MaxMind, and I guess so. This is again, I asked ChatGPT, right? So ChatGPT tells me like MaxMind is kind of the best place. So they have GOIP. Mm-hmm. Then they have this API or this package for Python, and then you can. There's a free version of it where it basically gives you the country, the state, the city, and then some other stuff like zip code, longitude, latitude, those kinds of things. But just sort of that basic information so then I can take an IP address and figure out, okay, here's where here's where people are coming from. Got it. Just to sort of give you an idea of, hey, all of your podcast subscribers are in China versus True. in the US. Like, like wondering, like, what is your SEO doing that you're getting everybody from China to... Right do this but nobody from from the u.s or you know, just random things like that so cool okay I got so that done so you're so you're finishing that up yeah so that and so then by this time next week i should have the front end for the analytics and then i'll actually i'll probably try to demo it for you so you can see like how many downloads this this show's getting i mean it's millions but oh cool um, you'll be oh, able to yeah. see i'm excited see how that works and give some feedback millions of listeners all right. Well, great. Um, I'll probably be working on getting the hiring up for, I've basically like the main goal is to find a technical support person and then also to um, basically find someone to do uh, outreach for backlinks. So hopefully.
So that'll be, sorry, my kids are interrupting. That will be my goal for next time. And uh, I guess we'll look forward to uh, seeing you next week and maybe Jeff will join us as well. All right, awesome. All right, have a great one, Steve. Take care. Yeah, you too. See ya. All right, bye. <laughs>